0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network. Jones! Bowen! He's got it! England have
1: won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four and England have won the match.
2: Oh, we've got another climactic piece of commentary to add to our list now, haven't we? Listen to this.
1: Who needed here for England? Flip down the next side! Flick down the outside's gone in. Can you believe it? Wagner! Wagner has done it. New Zealand won by one run. What a stunning test match. Unbelievable. Anderson can't believe it. The egg to say for New Zealand, the disappointment for England, it's Wagner, he's done it. What a remarkable game of match cricket. Is this the moment to bring back the line by the barest of margins? It does not get any closer than
2: that. And of course, David Gow is quite right to revisit the barest of margins because... Actually, you couldn't get it any closer, could you? So, Simon, look, lighten up. I know you said England shouldn't enforce the follow-on and it was a horrible mistake. I encouraged them to do it. It's backfired on them. But cricket was the winner.
1: Oh, cricket's always the winner, Yoz. Yeah, cricket's the winner. Um, depends if you want When you play a Test match, you want to win or not? Uh, ben Stokes afterwards said, listen, you know, we were involved in a great game of cricket. Um, of course we want to win. You know, we're disappointed to lose, uh, but we can see the bigger picture. And I'm sure lots of people listening to this and lots of people watching, listening, following all around the world would have been absolutely enthralled with what happened. And if if it was happening in the middle of the night for everybody, they'll catch up with it and be enthralled uh, with what unfolded. One thing I would say, bottom line is, England should never have been in a position to lose that test match. But, you know, if you want to, if you want to play that way, fine. That's, you know, on, on you go. But if you, if you want to win, um, then you need to take smarter decisions.
2: Yeah, I think that, I suppose, and, and listening to Stokes and McCullum talking afterwards, of course they're disappointed. But, you know, it was quite revealing, wasn't it, to see both guys' expressions, they were beaming at the end of that game. Because I think, you know, obviously their mission is to promote Test cricket and transmit to the world that it's the greatest form of sport or the greatest form of cricket or whatever. And in a way, are they on this sort of exploration to see how far they can push England, how much they can stretch people's imagination and players' abilities to take these you know, events to their ultimate conclusion to really challenge players. It's a bit like there's a okay, so you've conquered K2 or you've conquered Everest, but now you want to do K2 or Nanga Parbat or something. And it's the same as what Owen Morgan said, isn't it? When he took over as the England one day captain, you know he talked about seeing how far this team could go. And okay, so there are going to be times when they fall down because they've pushed it too far, they've stretched the limits beyond. Isn't that something to, to applaud in a way? And you know, if it produces that kind of excitement, that kind of tension. I mean, I'm exhausted watching that. And of course, partly it because it's up in the middle of the night. But, but I think you'd be exhausted whatever time of day you were watching that. Because the, that, that
1: tension is just, it, t- it totally consumes you, doesn't it? Oh, fantastic finish! Incredible finish! I mean, you know, one of one of the narrowest margins in in test history. I think, I, in fact, I think there's only been a, one other test match that was finished with a, a one run uh, winning margin. Listen, when England set out, when England enforced the follow on, they did not have their in- uh, in in mind to be chasing 258 to win that game and to set up the most one of the most exciting finishes in test match cricket they of course they didn't their in their mind was to wipe New Zealand off the board inside three days so don't give me this guff about England you know stretching the limits and trying to uh you know make make the game exciting uh, deliberately that that's not how it that's not how it works out it and when England set off this morning in pursuit of two hundred and fifty-eight, their intention was not to make the game exciting. Their intention was to win the game, okay, by playing positively. They got themselves into a hole in this Test match because they made a fundamental mistake, which was to enforce the follow-on. When cricketing logic says don't enforce the follow-on, they score five hundred. They have got it, and and then set New Zealand five hundred to win in two days. And if you get five hundred in two days absolutely fine because then that's the world record with knobs on by you know plus 80 runs and that's that's fantastic unbelievable batting you're stretching the opposition opposition in that scenario that's what you're doing but not not in in this scenario they've got an aging bowling attack they've got a 40 year old bowler they've got a 36 year old bowler they've got one bowler that can't bowl because he's got a dodgy knee and then you know they've they've got Ollie Robinson, who's a very good bowler, and they've got Jack Leach, who's a steady left-arm spinner. So they ended up being in the in the field for two hundred and sixteen overs, two hundred and sixteen overs, all cricketing common sense. You mean sense. in both innings? You mean in both? Yeah, innings. over over the course of both innings. Yeah, first innings and second innings. So they were in the field for two hundred and sixteen overs, with with two ageing bowlers and a guy who can barely. Well, he's, he's struggling with his his left knee. Can only bowl two overs. So. I I just don't understand the decision to uh, enforce the follow on. I just don't I just don't get it and uh, and it's cost England the game. And I I I it's not hindsight. I can show you I can show you a WhatsApp message uh, when England enforced the follow on which I sent to a friend of mine which which said don't you know if you if you enforce the follow on no, no, that's, we that's believe the way you. to lose. Look, we, okay? we believe you. So this we is not hindsight. It's not this is no, hindsight. No, it's just not We know it, and and it's but, so you know <laughs> What do, you want me, what do you want me to say? You, you, you doff, it's a, it was an incredible game of cricket. OK, and in, does that make cricket the winner? I don't know. I don't know what it makes. It just means that every now and again you get a really exciting game of cricket. And we all know that cricket can be fantastically exciting. It's wonderful drama. Um, people are talking about it. Great. Um, but it, it, it's not England. It wasn't England's intention to make, it, to make the game exciting. They wanted to win and they messed up. They messed up. Well, no,
2: it wasn't not in that way. No, no, I agree. Look, I I, you know, I agree. I I don't think it's guff to say that 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 it wasn't Stokes' objective, or it was Stokes' objective to make it exciting. Of course, you're right. He wanted to win. They wanted to win the game, and if they could win the game quickly, using Anderson and Broad to get early wickets, as they had done in the previous three New Zealand innings, then it would have worked. But it didn't work. And I think the sort of counter to that or the alternative scenario was, okay, if it doesn't work, it's going to be an interesting challenge for our team to chase 250 on a fifth day pitch, which will set us up well for, you know, it might be an exciting game and it'll set us up well for uh, the you know future challenges such as the Ashes in three months time. And it will put those players under pressure and, you know, in a way... Go back to the IPL. Why Why is the IPL successful? Because you have so many exciting finishes. And also, not just that, but also you're putting players under extreme pressure with the number of quality players around and the, uh, the potential riches, you know, the, the things that are at stake all the time. That's where players learn about themselves, dealing with that pressure. And again... Players will have learned about themselves today, dealing with that pressure, and it's a kind of cumulative process to be able to absorb how to deal with those situations, and then factor those in that learning, those learnings in to your future performances. So it's a sort of investment in the future of the team and the players. In a way, I I take your point that perhaps logically it wasn't the, the right thing to do, but. Stokes isn't necessarily a man who applies logic to things. He's someone who actually also likes, you know, he likes the romanticism sometimes of, you know, you know, a challenge of some kind and making it harder. Almost, you know, he's, I suppose, maybe he's a bit of a masochist. <laughs> he likes to make things tough for himself. I mean, batting and bowling with the, the state of his knee at the moment, you know, he really is biting on the bullet and. Well, it's one of the big talking points, isn't it, probably, that we'll come on to is how can he deal with it? Because he's vital to England's um, future success, the way he's capped in the team. That's 10 wins out of 12 now. Obviously, could have been 11, but it has been a fantastic ride, and it was always going to come down at some point. I know you're saying that they could have avoided
1: this situation, but in a way... I'm glad they did it actually. Well, fine. If you want to lose, that's fine. That's absolutely fine us. If you if you want to my point is that England did not set out to stretch themselves. They did not set out uh, to make the game exciting. They did not set out to challenge themselves. They they forced the follow on to win. I think it was a fundamentally flawed decision as the the result of the game has has shown. And okay it, it was uh, it's, it's unusual for the for the game to, to end like this you know you, you still thought England should have won the game either way you enforce you bat again if you bat again there's so much time left in the game the weather forecast was good it's, to me it's just it's just cricketing logic but you know it sounds incredibly churlish I'm I'm just saying that to say that the decision, you know, it's in hindsight. People saying criticizing hindsight is wrong. No, it's not. And to say it's not, it wasn't the wrong decision. I think is 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 wrong as well. But that, you know, it it's, it did give us an incredible game of cricket and unbelievable game of cricket. And and that is to be, of course, it's to be celebrated. But. I don't accept the point that England sort of set out to challenge themselves. No, they set out because they wanted to win the game. They thought that, yeah, they could knock them off in three days and they've got, you know, they had the bowling attack to, to knock them off in three days. But I think cricketing logic says sometimes you've just got to be a bit smarter. And I don't think England... Um, played it that smart with that decision. I'd also take you back to another decision as well that England made in this game. And you know, it's easy I okay, get this is this is a bit a bit easy with hindsight, but actually I also said it at the time and I, I got a WhatsApp message to prove this as well. Why declare eight down when you've got a bloke 153 not out? And yeah, you know, England. England lost eighteen wickets in this Test match and lost the game. New Zealand lost twenty wickets and won the game. Uh, you know they say it's all about taking twenty wickets. New Zealand didn't even have to take twenty wickets. Uh, England England pulled out. I know why they pulled out. They pulled out, uh, so they could bowl half an hour before lunch. But they could still they could have bowled half an hour after lunch as well. You are allowed to bowl after lunch with a new ball. Uh, you know, four hundred and thirty odd in the first innings. There, it wasn't as if they had tail enders batting. They had Joe Root there. He was one hundred and fifty three not out. You could have given him another. You know, you could have given him another ten minutes, 20, 15 minutes. He could have, he, the way he was playing, he could have whacked another thirty runs, and you know, if he got out, then declare, fine, nine down, that's fine. I can understand the logic of that. But you've got a bloke who's in, anyway. Though there, there, there we go, um, tally ho, uh, well done cricket. It was, it was, it was a magnificent game of cricket.
2: Victor Meldrew's come off his long run today, hasn't he? Blimey.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, hold on, I'm, I'm just putting the other side. I'm just putting the other side of it. Um, and and it, it, it's fine. You, uh, it's you know, fine. It, he says through, it'll, it'll through be gritted game.
2: teeth. Well, anyway,
1: no, listen, no, you, you a, make perfectly. A, a, I'm just you saying, make valid points. What I'm, I suppose what I'm saying is this. What I'm saying is this. Yours it's it's great for the game to have it's great for cricket to have a match like this but when some decisions are so fundamentally flawed i think it does it does sort of undermine it in a way it does you know it, it it hasn't it hasn't played out the game hasn't played out to a sort of natural logical conclusion it's it's all been it, it's skewed by decisions that were taken in the game that so created a created an unusual match yes but created a match that shouldn't it, it shouldn't have happened like that anyway i'm going to i'm going to ashton gate tonight to watch bristol city play manchester city and what i'm really looking forward to is manchester city scoring two own goals in the last 5 minutes to give bristol city a 5-4 victory and then pep guardiola coming out afterwards and saying it was great for football what a fantastic occasion it was great for football yeah i i, I can imagine that being said dream on Raymond Look, it's really rattled your cage, or you've been rattling the cages pretty well today. Well, you know Yoz, You know that we've been talking about this throughout the game, and I've been making this point throughout the game. And it's not. And I, you know, it's I'm not. I'm not sitting here now and saying these things in hindsight. I I said I said them during the game, and yeah, no no one could have predicted the outcome that we had today. Just a remarkable, stunning, wonderful, sort of glorious uh, denouement. But England, didn't, England did not set out to, to create this amazing finish in this test match we're all flawed fundamentally, aren't we <laughs> Well we we're, are of course we are of course so, we are, yeah. so
2: let, let's just listen to a little clip of both Ben Stokes and Brendan McCullum talking after the match on BT sport. I just
0: think that game as a whole in terms of you know, what test figure' about was. It was just incredible, you know, the emotions that I'm sure, well, we were obviously going through upstairs and obviously the Kiwi boys out there as well. I mean, that, just for a test match, it was just incredible to be involved in. Um, I think everyone's got their money worth who turned up today as well. So obviously it would have been nice to have won the, the test match and then won the series, but, you know, we're, we're right at the start of this um, this campaign. We said we wanted to try and entertain and, and to bring fans into the game and to, to bring real relevance to Test cricket. And I think... Even on the wrong side of it today, I think we certainly achieved that. So credit to New Zealand. Um, they were epic in their defence of that total, but I thought we certainly played our part and it was a great game to be, uh, be a part of. I was actually quite calm. The boys, you know, again, we, we played so well right throughout the Test match and, and we know what we're here for. So whether we win or whether we lose, is, I know we get judged on it, but what we're trying to do is, is play a style of cricket and, and to try and entertain people all around the world. And, you know, when, when it got as tense as what it got, it was kind of left in the hands of the gods a little bit and it wasn't to be for us, but you know, the guys were really calm and I think they all enjoyed it. Even after we lost, you know, walking in the dressing room and still smiles on their faces because we've kind of achieved uh, a small part of what it's about, which is to make test Green exciting, but still disappointed to lose, obviously.
2: So both of them basically saying, actually, <laughs> it was all, it was almost part of the master plan. Obviously, they're disappointed to lose, but the the underlying driving force is to try and create more interest and, and
1: entertainment in in the cricket in the Test cricketing format. And I'm listen, Yoz, and I'm all for that. I'm not saying I'm not saying don't be entertaining. Please don't. I'm not I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is just also you need to combine that with cricket smarts as well as cricket entertainment.
2: Lots of other kind of, you know, fascinating little bits to just mull over in that last day's play. I mean, the classic run out of Harry Brook for a start. Of course, he he got the wicket of Kane Williamson with that (laughs) dribbly ball down the leg side. Um, I didn't even know he bowled, frankly. And I don't think he did either because apparently he bowls off breaks in the nets. But he was rolling those little wrong footing um, seamers uh, in the game. A bit like, actually, it reminded me a bit of Chris Harris. And it was funny because it was quite interesting listening to Michael Atherton talking about um, Harry Brook on, on commentary on TalkSport. And, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, if not a, a bit of a sort of innocuous action and so on. In fact, well, I remember once asking Michael Atherton, who was the bowl release-like facing out of, you know, Ambrose, Donald, Wacka, Wazim, et cetera. And he said, Chris Harris <laughs> of New Zealand, who bowled little dribbles off... The wrong foot, very slowly, at about sixty-four miles an hour, and that's what Harry Brook was bowling. What a funny, uh, what a funny event to get Kane Williamson caught down the leg side like that, and then you know the kind of mirror image, the final wicket, Jimmy Anderson having smacked Neil Wagner for a hearty four through mid wicket, then tries to bat properly with two runs wanted and gets a little tickle down the leg side, caught behind. Yeah, all those sort of silly imponderance. And then, of course, Brooke in the second innings coming out to bat. This was the moment, wasn't it, when Root was sort of well in, in, entrenched and England were sort of wobbling a bit. But you thought, here we are. Here's Harry Brooke. Here's Joe Root. They'll see us home. Two balls later, Brooke's walking back without facing.
1: <laughs> that was an extraordinary moment That I mean, shades actually of Edgbaston when Joe Root, ran out Alex Lees in in that run chase against India uh, you know poor really poor judgement from from root uh, d- dabbed it and ran i mean it was a really odd single but it, it just shows doesn't it how the the, the cricketing gods can give and they can take away I and mean, harry brooks actually bowled 1000 balls in first class cricket he, he that was his ninth mm-hmm. wicket but i i don't i don't know anything i would knowingly uh, seen him bowling what an absolute scramps, uh, strangle that was i actually thought new zealand <laughs> Their, their their batting, late order batting in their second innings was pretty, trainless. Um, uh, well, that, that's one word you could use. Yeah, I mean they frittered their wickets. I mean, they were in a position of such strength, weren't they? I think two, what two two fifty odd ahead, five wickets left, and suddenly, bang bang. I mean the, the, obviously the the wicket of Williamson was just one of those things that can happen but you know the, the run out of Bracewell, Southie playing a huge wipe, Blundell playing a huge wipe, uh, England were actually quite fortunate to be chasing 258 uh, as it was, they, it sort of felt they got out of jail uh, ultimately, I mean they, they could they could probably should have been chasing 300, 350 if, if New Zealand had, had just applied a bit more and know, common sense to the situation but as you say we're all, we're all flawed yards you know? we all we all make mistakes. Well,
2: I mean, there was there was some good examples, actually, in that, as you say in that last bit of the New Zealand innings. I mean, that dozy cricket from, from yeah, yeah, where he he easily completed a two, but he didn't run his bat in. And folks receiving the throw from the deep from Stokes kind of almost pretended he... Didn't pretend, but he wasn't that interested. And then suddenly he saw the the rather dozy running in the corner of his eye and just grabbed the ball with one hand and whipped the bales off almost by instinct and it just so happened that at that moment those of you who haven't seen this at that moment although Bracewell was over the line he was in the air and he hadn't touched the ground with his back or his feet so bizarrely there was sort of like a centimetre between the bottom of his studs and the ground as folks removed the bales and he was run out and then actually I, I thought that there was some good cricket by both Leach and Stokes to get a couple of those late order wickets especially Southie So Leach, quite unconventionally bowling over the wicket into the rough, which he doesn't very often do, but he did it to Southie. But cleverly, Stokes kept himself in sort of reasonable range at mid-on, tempting Southie to go over the top. And of course he did and got a skied catch. And then the same thing happened to Blundell as well, that... You know, he kept the fielders mid on in, tempting him to go for the big one over mid on, and he got out. And and that was the end of the innings. So there's some quite good cricket by England there, quite good bowling by Leach, good captaincy by Stokes, good opportunism by folks that brought that innings to a sudden conclusion.
1: Yeah well but you've got two pretty experienced cricketers out there in Southie and Blundell surely they could see the plan as well i to me it just seemed like new zealand just you know slowly slowly catching monkey you just you just bat and bat and bat and just wear england down i mean they, you know they were bowling leech and brook and uh, they were on their knees in the field and they i think they rather they rather surrendered to you know quite an obvious plan I mean if you know if you're bowling into the rough with the field up you 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 pretty much know what the opposition captain's trying to do don't you and New Zealand fell into the plan anyway as it as it turned out it worked uh, well for them Uh, one thing we haven't talked about yet yours is the penultimate ball of the match we talked about Jimmy Anderson running down the pitch and smacking it for four and um, we talked about uh, the final ball. That is shades of Sri Lanka at Headingley when Jimmy Anderson was out to the penultimate ball of the match, and England nearly batting through that final day. Oh, it's tough, isn't it? As a tailender, you, you know you're getting bombarded by the the, the quick bowler, and you, you're just expected to come out and you know s- stick in or score the winning runs. Not not easy. And, and Anderson just yeah glanced it down the leg side, but the the penultimate ball was a wide. It just was. It was a wide. I, I've I've seen I've seen it on the TV. What what. Why wasn't it called as a wide? I mean, New Zealand will say, "Well, you know, go back to the World Cup final and that, you know, the, the crossing and they were given England were given an extra run and that shouldn't have happened." Uh, and and yes, by the laws of the game, they should. I, one thing I would say about that is probably one of those things that's quite an obscure law. I don't know and probably quite hard to judge. Anyway, that was a mistake as well, um, but this was a much clearer mistake. It seemed to me. I just don't, I can't understand why the umpires uh, didn't want to make the tough call and, and give the wide. But you know.
2: Rod Tucker wasn't it who was well, at the, well,
1: the bowler's end there and then
2: Chris Gaffney the, the local umpire was at square leg and it actually it was one of those where the height and the width combined made it should have been called a wide. Sometimes a ball of that height would be alright if it was straight but it was down the leg side but it wasn't down the leg side far enough to be called a wide on width. Pat, but I think it was it was on height, high yeah. To be called on to be called wide wide. on height, yeah. yeah. And it, was that why was that why Anderson looked so cross when he was out? Because obviously he was out, and that was devastating in itself. But I noticed he, he gave a bit of a, a, a bit of verbal to someone soon after he was given out off that last ball, and I wondered if it was a just a little jibe at the umpire.
1: Well, I, I just don't know. <clears throat> it's something that well, eventually I, so I have to ask him in a, a quiet and private moment he might uh, reveal it but yeah i mean probably at the time i don't know uh, yeah i mean i think you in that situation you'd want a wide wouldn't you? you okay you accept the umpire's decision it's not been called you have to get on with it and then face the next ball and then you're out and it's it's sort all of compounds uh, there's a the disappointment so that you know in in any game there are there are moments i mean there, there was some contention about an ollie pope catch as well wasn't there whether he was actually on the on the the cut bit, or his hand was over the cut bit when he took the catch as well. Uh, I suppose those are well. you could With TV these days, you can actually replay them, can't you? And 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 get a definitive verdict. So perhaps the umpires could have gone back on that as well. So there, there was, you know, that's it's the great thing about over five days. There are so many talking points, and this game threw up so many talking points. Uh, and most, and yeah, you know, and there was a lot of glorious cricket played. I mean, Joe Root, for example. What a what a game he had. I mean, how was he not player of the match? I mean, I, I, know, I know he was on the losing side. He made 248 runs for once out. Kane Williamson made 138 runs for twice out. And he was somehow player of the match. It's, it, it's bizarre. I mean, the, the point about player of the match is so the outstanding individual performance, surely. OK, sometimes and often it shapes the... The win, and you could well Williamson's century was important, but actually, you know, <laughs> roots innings and in, roots efforts in both innings shaped the match enormously as well. And and you know, he was the he was the outstanding individual in the game. He also got a wicket as well, didn't he? A vital a wicket when England uh, were bowling. Anyway, those are small points. Who, I mean, in a way, who really cares about player of the match? Is quite a a minor One thing. Player of the
2: match uh, would, would for me actually would be um, the groundsman. Yeah, because great surface when you want to yeah when you want yeah, to pitch for 5 days you want something that helps the faster bowlers initially something that's good to bat on in the middle and something that helps the spinners at the end and actually that was exactly what it did it was just good good to bowl on really that first couple of days although you know if you batted well you got runs and then it it, it flattened out and it was pretty hard to get wickets for sort of days 3 and 4 and then finally on the final day if they'd had two good spinners bowling, and Michael Brace was obviously not that good, they would have caused havoc. And it was really turning and bouncing. The bounce was interesting as well. And, I mean, another sort of player of the match would be Neil Wagner, who got absolutely hammered everywhere to all parts for most of this series, and came back with this unstinting, total dedication to, to the job in that last kind of hour of play, banging it in short, Relentlessly and and finally getting his reward, taking a couple of good catches as well, difficult catches on the boundary. So there have been there were so many heroes there really, and I, I agree with you that Root Root was masterly. It's it's just it's it's a joy watching him bat, isn't it? Because wherever he bats, whatever situation, whatever the pitch is, he finds a way of making runs in a, a beautifully fluent and almost sort of nonchalant way, and then. Suddenly, when you think he's just sort of pottering along at his own nice, steady pace, he steps out and wallops the the, the off spinner for a big six over long on, and you know sweeps him and reverse sweeps him. I mean, it's he, just fascinating to watch his the way he you know constructs an innings.
1: Yeah, it, it, wonderful, uh, magnificent game, and and good to see him sort of playing in in the Joe Root way with with a with a couple of. F- f- a frills thrown in as well like you, but he's he's such a good player of spin i think he's so confident isn't he against the spinner that he can uh, take him on i totally agree about the the ground staff coming up with that surface but brilliant pitch for a, a test match it it kept everyone interested and I, that's what you want isn't it uh, yeah uh, full full marks um and anyone who had a ticket for, for the last few days yeah they'll they'll never forget it i mean actually I, I, ben stokes said everyone got their money's worth today of course everyone was letting in free <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah, that's a great move
2: um, Stokes um, his knee will obviously be uh, a subject of, of, of great discussion over the next few weeks uh, it was just interesting actually watching him today batting and obviously in pain and I, I can sort of share in that pain a little bit my left knee is in exactly the same state as his and I know exactly what he gets uh, at times is what happens is when your knee deteriorates as his obviously has done You get lots of little fragments that that get stuck under the kneecap it's actually the cartilage between the kneecap and the joint that gradually sort of fractures and, and disintegrates it sounds disgusting but it's tiny little fragments which can get lodged in the in a wrong in the wrong place when you particularly do a particular motion with your knee and then it really aggravates it's like a little tiny shard that gets stuck between the joints and just causes you this agonizing pain so then if you flex the knee you can sort of shift that fragment uh, obviously the inflammation is still there but the actual jarring pain can be shifted by just flexing the knee and that's why he keeps bending his knee again to try and shift those little fragments and and, and shift them away from the most inflamed area I don't know what he does ultimately um, he's obviously going to have to have quite a lot of uh, rehab and uh, maybe an operation of some kind you can flush out those fragments and, and then you can come back quite quickly but in his case it may be too late for the flush out he may need sometimes you can also get a, a replacement cartilage an artificial cartilage put in which helps the the kneecap slide better over the joint when you bend the knee but the trouble is he puts so much force through that knee joint especially when he's bowling that it's difficult to have anything artificial in there, he says that he's going to play the IPL and that actually that won't put that much pressure on his knee. I'm not sure about that because you know the the, the, the IPL is frenetic. You know, you're batting, you're fielding, dashing around the boundary, taking diving catches, dashing between the wickets. You'll probably have to bowl the odd over here and there. I'm not sure he's going to get much rest, but at least he's not out in the field for you know hours. It'll only be an hour and a half or something. But I, I do worry a bit, really.
1: Yeah, I. He he says, "Oh, you know, on, on we go." Basically, doesn't he? He sort. Of, he tends to shrug it off. I remember when he, he he seemed to twist his knee during the Trent Bridge Test match last year, and he and he was hobbling as England got over the line against New Zealand. Afterwards, he said, "Ah, oh, that's no, it's not not a problem at all." He he seems to better work through the pain somehow. Although in you know in this Test match, there yeah you know, there were times when they you know really you need him to bowl a fit Ben Stokes. You need him to bowl. England was struggling. They were looking for wickets. And he, he wasn't able to bowl. He bowled a couple of overs and that and that was it. And just look at Ben Stokes this winter. Since his heroics in the T20 World Cup when he won England two games with the bat, including the final, he's not made a half century in any of the Test matches this uh, winter and he's only taken two wickets. Uh, he's this he's sort of ta- talismanic figure uh, for this England side and sort of goading them, coaxing them, driving them, you know, setting the the... The, the template for how they, they want to play. But actually, individually, he's not had a, a great time of it. And that, you know, there were times in this game where, you know, England wanted probably wanted a bit more from him and he wasn't able to give it, especially with the ball in the second innings. And I, what I thought was interesting as well today was that he did assess the situation, didn't he? When he came in, England were under real pressure. And what he didn't do was was go bullet a gate. He actually played normal... Test cricket and he, he dug in with Root and it, and it was a partnership that looked as if it was taking England to victory I mean they needed 56 to win when Stokes was out so you know they they got themselves right in the frame of winning and actually you texted me at lunchtime and said England are going to win this game and they, well, they needed 90 to win and you sort of had a sense there if Root and Stokes stay together yeah probably another 20 runs and they, together and they would have won the game that would have could have should have uh, you, can all, you can always look at those small things can't you in Matches that have such a tight conclusion. And Neil Wagner, yeah, just bouncing them out. Folks out, broad out, root out, Stokes, all to short balls. All managing to to coax aggressive shots out of this England team. If you put the highlights together, uh, you you know, if you put the highlights together... If you, well, if you put the highlights together of England's second innings and showed it, to sort of took the tape back and showed it to test cricketers of 30, 40 years ago, they'd be spluttering on their gin and tonics, wouldn't they, at the way uh, England got out in this second innings. Mind you, you probably need to show them some of the aggressive shots in between as well. Yeah, and well, I mean, how, da- many, how, da- how many da- pull spouting.
2: shots did um, did Ben Folkes play, which he didn't mm. run for as well? I mean, he hit mm. so many shots out to the deep field protecting uh, Jack Leach from the strike and therefore not running because it went straight to a deep square leg or a deep mid wicket fielder. It's some great shots for nothing, and I, I thought he played really well actually. Uh, you know, it's so difficult, isn't it, managing a situation like that? Managing Jack Leach, who he's actually got an okay defence, but he just can't get a run. Can he? he can't he? has not really got any scoring shots, and you've got to try and move the score forward as as well as protecting him. So. It was a tricky situation for for folks. He did really well, actually. I'm I'm just looking, funnily enough, at the averages of the batsmen in the team since the McCullum and um, Stokes era began, and it makes quite interesting reading. That the, the these are the averages of the batsmen in the side since the start of you know last summer. Ben Duckett fifty six, Zach Crawley twenty five, Ollie Pope thirty eight, Joe Root sixty two point eight nine. <laughs> Incredible. Johnny Bairstow, 75.66. Harry Brook, 80.9, which, of course, would have been even higher but for his first baller today or not even facing a ball today. Ben Stokes averaging 36. It's not bad, actually, considering he hasn't really made a massive contribution, you feel. And Ben folks 38. That's good, isn't it? Mm. Good average. Yeah, yeah. 38.9, cool. so nearly 39. So you're not far off 40 for, for Ben Folkes. He is um he is the genuine article
1: yeah yeah all good numbers there apart from uh, Zach Crawley who who continues to produce the same sort of figures that he's produced for a large part of his Test match career and there is Johnny besto waiting in the wings uh, there are all sorts of uh, ideas about how he comes back into the side because I mean you cannot leave out Harry Brook. I mean Harry Brooke came in for besto but Brooke has surely got to play you can't you can't I don't think it's weird, isn't it, with cricket, how you the order in which you bat is so important. You know, opener is a very designated role, number three, number five. But it, it, it just would feel weird to have a Test match side where Crawley was in it and Brook wasn't in it now. Um, but I don't know how they sort that out. I mean, I saw Steve James suggesting in the, the Times that Joe Root opening is a an option for England. And yeah, po- possibly it is. That that might be one way uh, to go. But, you know, they're going to... To get Besto in presumably they're going to have to leave out one of the openers. That's how it looks at the moment. I mean, the, the thing is, what often happens is someone gets injured, don't they? The, it, 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 the, the, so, mm. the solution, you arrive at a solution through natural means rather than through brutal means. Uh, yeah. but so I, 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 I don't know what they do. I mean, I mean Johnny Best has got to get fit first, hasn't well, he? Well, yeah, but a, I've know, seen... A an, nasty injury.
2: I've seen an Instagram clip of him running mm. around a track. Right, good. And, and he looks pretty good actually i mean you mm. know he was running at a decent pace around a running track and uh, looked you know sort of strong obviously not quite at full full pelt probably but i was encouraged by that it, you know he looks he's got a natural running style again which after an injury like that is not easy yeah. to to regain so that's quite a positive sign and the, you know that's the key isn't it in being able to be mobile even if there's some niggly Issues with the, with the injury. As long as he's mobile and he can run clear, you know, f- freely, then that's that's a good sign. Now he just needs to get back to playing.
1: Yeah, well, that yeah, that is encouraging uh, for him and 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 for England. I mean, it's what six months since he did the injury. Now the Ashes are not until June, so he's, he's still got you know, quite a long time to to get fit. And the the timeline you you feel uh, works for him. But so so what what would you do then, yours with with the. Yeah, Johnny it's, Bairstow, a, it's a really, good, back question. In really good question. Good question. I mean, I mean, I'd folk, have... you know, folks, drop, folks dropping out is another option, isn't it? No, I, I like it. folks.
2: Actually, I, I've come yeah. round to, uh, I've come round to thinking he's a very really valuable cricketer, and well, not that I thought he wasn't before, but I think he's really stood up and and showed what he's what he's made of. Uh, well, I think it's either Brook or Root to open. Yeah, I guess I, I wouldn't open with Bearstow. I think it, it'd be tempting to say, "Go on, do what you do in one-day cricket." And, Go for it. But I just think that's so difficult against the, uh, the the quality of the likes of Cummins and Hazelwood with a new ball in English conditions. I just don't think you can play like that. Jason Roy tried it, didn't he? Alex Hales has tried it as well, uh, opening the top of the innings in test matches. But they didn't come off. And it, you need someone with a, a decent technique. And Duckett will be the one, assuming he continues his his run, he'll be the one that probably looks to be a bit more positive Uh, You need someone who's got a bit of technique at uh, the top of the order. And as time has gone on, I've been a big fan of Zach Crawley, but as time has gone on, he just looks so vulnerable to anything pitched up. He doesn't use his height. He doesn't use his, his big stride at all to get forward and defend his wicket. He just looks a walking wicket, really, a lot of the time, especially against the new ball. Only Pope could open. I mean that would be another one he, He's got a good method I mean, he, he could he could open. so I think England have got choices. They, they've got to obviously come up with the answer um I, I just I wouldn't open with Bairstow because he's too valuable as the the puncher down the order.
1: That's the one thing about Joe Root, isn't it? Is Joe Joe Root too valuable at say somewhere like four? I mean, he was batting at three, wasn't he? And he eventually they said no, go back to four because he has opened before. He's opened for England many times. He opened at the start of his career. He's got an Ashes hundred opening. It's (sighs) all it's great, is it trying trying to fit eleven in and try to get the right balance and sometimes it's obvious but not most of the time it's not it's, it's it those selection meetings where you're grappling and trying to work solve the problem really and come up with something that that works but it doesn't feel as if it's working for zach crawley and you're right it doesn't feel as if it's necessarily going to work against this australian attack that's well it's not just a hunch you know, the, the the numbers and the evidence Seem to back it up, really. Uh, he's a lovely shot maker. You know, when he's when he's playing those glorious strokes, then you'd think this guy's got to play. I mean, I remember the Australians being utterly beguiled by him when he made that 70 uh, odd, wherever it was in, in Sydney. You know, this, at yeah. last, you know, a POM who's prepared to stand up and, and take us on. Uh, but um, amidst the, the glorious shot making, there's so, so much vulnerability that he's just struggling to stay in. So, Anyway, that, that that's that's something that they're going to have to work out later uh, in the year. You know, form will come into it, I suppose, as well. Conditions, you know, what sort of summer we have, and who's fit for Australia. What sort of bowling attack they're going to put out on the field. Anyway, it's been a glorious uh, five days, glorious yeah. five days in, in Wellington. Anyone who was there, you know, will never forget it. Anyone who played in it uh, will never forget it. But England should have won this Test match by two hundred runs.
2: Amazing, really. Uh, the <laughs> 370 odd overs, and it's all come down to one ball and uh, yeah. one run separating the two teams. So the barest of <laughs> margins absolutely was the right phrase. Nothing, of course, stops in the, the English cricket world because England now play a one-day international series starting tomorrow in Bangladesh. And Joss Butler's already been talking about the. This is the start of England's proper campaign towards the World Cup in. October uh, this year that of course they are the holders of so uh, it, nothing stops in the
1: cricket world and Australia and India yours. Uh,
2: and I was going to say actually Australia India are resuming as well uh, after the first two tests 2-0 to India so far no Cummins or Warner in that Australia side they'll be up against it for sure uh, that matches in indoor now which doesn't stage too many test matches so Lots uh, for us to talk about later in the week. Just sit back and enjoy, if you did watch that last bit of that game, just sit back and enjoy the fact that Test cricket is probably the ultimate form of sport.